Welcome to the New Mexico Motorsports Report, presented by Yearwood Performance, Albuquerque Dragway, the Unser Racing Museum, and Swope Real Estate. Your host, David Swope, will be talking about events happening around the state and on the national scene, whether it's got two wheels or four wheels, pavement and off-road racing, or park and shine. If you are into it, we are into it. Call now, 994-1017. That's 994-1017 to get into all the action. Now, here is your host, David Swope. Good morning. It's Saturday morning. That means it's time for the New Mexico Motorsports Report right here on ESPN Radio 1017, the team. Of course, David Swope sounding a little different this morning. I'm Spencer Hill, driver of the SEH Motorsports Grammys Kitchen, number 77 non-wing sprint car. And uh, I'll be sitting in for Swope this morning, who's over at the racetrack. We'll check in with him in just a little bit. But uh, we're, we have a really good show later on. Uh, it's going to be an all-star show, many will say. Of course, all-star weekend going on over at the Texas Motor Speedway, just next door to us over uh, in Dallas-Fort Worth area. Really good show so far. Trucks race last night. A lot more coming up on that here in the next couple of segments. But you got me, RJ, and Dan for the next hour. Coming through your speakers, looking forward to it. RJ, how are you doing this morning, buddy? Doing good, doing good, Spencer. Thank you for having me. And, man, it is a true role reversal. Usually it's always you going and traveling and doing some great racing out there. And David gets to have a little fun, man. Hope he does good with the Miata. Yeah, we're stoked for David. Of course, we'll check in with him uh, at the very end of the show in the last segment there around 845, if you want to stay around for that. But got a big show coming up. Dominic Aragon, he's going to check in from Texas Motor Speedway. A uh, good friend of ours over with TheRacingExperts.com, Dominic, uh, he's been with us for a long time, and he's going to help us break down what is a very confusing, for some, uh, format that we have going on this weekend over for the NASCAR All-Star Race uh, at Texas Motor Speedway. So we'll check in with him in the next segment. And then we also have Bob Brown, ra- racing historian and curator over at the Unser Racing Museum. He's going to be checking in with us at the bottom of the hour, so stoked for that. That's all coming up here in just a moment, but before we get ahead of ourselves, we have a lot going on this weekend, RJ, and we got to go through the Unser Racing Museum event calendar. No, we sure do, my man, and a lot of different events, a lot of different types of events, a lot of car shows, cruises, race events. I mean, this is the time of year where a lot of stuff comes out. I mean, last I now, it, that scene said, last week was, I mean, I couldn't fit all the events, but this week kind of cut it down a little bit, but still have some great stuff coming up. So we always try to start local, of course, so we always try to start the local and with racing. So we're going to actually go to Albuquerque Dragway first. And Albuquerque Dragway, their night racing has finally begun. It's been an amazing time, and it's just that time of where it's like summer's here is kind of when I think of the night racing out at Albuquerque Dragway. So yesterday they had a night event that was the Street to Strip presented by Yearwood Performance. They were from 6 to 11 yesterday. So great, awesome event going on for sure. But actually tonight is going to be the Midnight Madness and Rockin' and Racing, which is going to be a very much a street to strip, a great event they have going on, where the gates are actually not going to open until 10 p.m. and they're going all the way to 2 a.m. So a night full of racing, a lot of, there's no excuse of like, oh, I just got off work. Guess what? You guys are chilling. You guys are going out there. Go have some fun. Go have some racing where it's kind of cooler at the night. It's going to be a beautiful night, hopefully. And we're going to see a lot of good stuff at Albuquerque Dragway. And RJ, this is one of the more exciting events that I mark on the calendar every year. Midnight Man is Street to Strip coming up later on this afternoon, or I guess this evening, more like that. Uh, live music, though, by Lawless, so a good show coming Heck up. Yeah. Uh, kind of caters to the younger crowd, too. Everybody wants to stay out real late. Gates don't even open until 10 p.m., 
So keep that in mind tonight if you do want to go see some good racing at our Albuquerque Dragway. Uh, gates don't even open until 10 p.m. So if you wanted to, you could go see some oval track racing, and then you can still make it over to the drag strip. So uh, if you're a racing holic, we got a good weekend lined up for you. Hey man, young and old. You know some of the older heads even. They're they're kinda they're saving up. They're taking a nice long nap kind of in the afternoon. Can people go out here for this event for sure? Absolutely. What do we got going on at Sandia Speedway, speaking of that? So Sandia Speedway, I mean, they have some greatest stuff going on. So today is actually I mean, some they've been revving up for a good long time. It is the Randy Combs Memorial Race, where it's gonna be the Clayover Racing, where stock cars, mini sprints and cruisers, A mods and the three oh five wing sprints are all going to be out there at Sandia Speedway. The gates are going to open at 2 p.m., not 2 a.m., 2 p.m., and racing is going to start at 6. So, like I said, if you really want to, guess what? Go to Sandia, go to the Memorial Race, have a great time out there, and shoot, Albuquerque Dragway is right around the, not right around the corner, but still in town where you could go see. So, full day of racing, but Sandia Speedway is going to have a lot of uh, fun stuff on the dirt track, as well as uh, some road stuff, which I believe the Miata is going to have out there. Yeah, and of course, Randy Combs, unfortunately, losing his life uh, at the end of last season. Uh, very, very sad deal there. The Combs family have been involved in circle track racing here in the Albuquerque Metro for a very, very long time. Uh, his son, R.C. Combs, very talented driver. Uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do in the next few years because he is fast in everything he steps in. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's the uh, street stocks, if it's modifieds, even sprint cars that he's dipped into a little bit. Uh, he's very talented, and it's going to be a good opportunity tonight for everybody to celebrate the life of Randy Combs in the only way that Randy would want to, and that is uh, all of his friends and family getting together at the local dirt track and just going and having fun. A lot of big sponsors have stepped up tonight, too, uh, to make that happen. I know that the stock cars have a really big pot going on. Uh, I know that Devin Amos has chipped in for the micro sprints tonight, too. Nice. Of course, as you said, Cruisers, A-Mods, 305 wing sprint cars as well. And our own David Swope and Stevie Cruz going to be on the microphone this evening uh, up in the booth calling that race. So looking forward to that. We're going to ask him a little bit about that as well coming up. But as we wrap up Sandia Speedway, we go back to some straight line action over at Roswell. Yeah, so Roswell, they've been pulling up some great events there recently. And Roswell Dragway, so it's a two-day event that was yesterday and today, where it's the TNT Fun and Grudge at 7 p.m. Pretty much it's going to happen on uh, on Saturday. And then it's also the Index and Gamblers Racing. So this is, I mean, they have some kind of, kind of the funky rules of NASCAR we got to talk about. They actually have a bunch of these different categories and everything that's spread out. So today is the Index and Gamblers Racing. They're going to you know, kind of literally put the money online. They're going to see who can do in what areas. They're going to, you know, change up the lineups a little bit and just have some fun time. So Roswell Dragway, shout out to y'all. And go if you're down there, guess what, New Mexico Most Road Support uh, supporting y'all. Absolutely. Roswell Dragway, uh, their time is ticking down there, too. I'm not sure if a lot of people know this, but uh, the FAA has uh, basically given them a death sentence as far as the racing facility goes. Uh, they are right next to an airport down there, and the FAA has said that they need that extra space. So uh, time is limited to see some good drag racing down there in Roswell. I know there was a couple petitions going around trying to save the speedway, but uh, it, it looks like time might be in the essence over there at Roswell, unfortunately. Uh, great track. A lot of people have fun going down there. And it's one of only two dragways, really, in New Mexico. So to see another one of those uh, going to the wayside, very disappointing to say the least for us here at the new mexico motorsports report uh but on the other end of that a new track has popped up down south in the vado speedway park 
Yeah, so Votto, they have a lot of stuff planned out, and still one of my favorite things is these hot city nights that they have. They dedicate everything to kind of like down south, all the different uh, all the different s- smaller cities that you come out, support, you make a little bit of, you know, not even that far of a drive. Everything's so close down there in the south, so go out and support. The hot city nights for this weekend is going to be the people, the residents of Socorro, Horizon, Sparks, San Elizario, Clint, and the Morning Glory. So all those people, it's just, it's going to be a reduced uh, gate fee for you to go in. It's kind of support your town, have a great time celebrating the Hot City Nights. Still going to be racing at 7.30 with the USRA Modifieds, B-Mods, Super Trucks, USRA Stock Cars, and the Pure Stocks. So a full night of events going down there at Vado Speedway. And the last time we saw the USRA Modifieds, B-Mods, and Super Trucks in action down there, I was down there as well. A uh, great facility is always down there, but... NASCAR's Kenny Schrader, winner of the truck race down there last time. That was really cool to see. Uh, it's nice to see Chris and uh, Royal and the team down there doing a lot of fun things, including this Hot City Nights deal. Nice to see everybody working together to get uh, a lot of people out there and just supporting the racetrack. Really stoked to see them doing all that. Uh, now we go back down to Alien Country with Alien Motor Speedway. Alien Country. I like it. I like it, man. So, at Alien, so today is going to be their championship racing that they have out there. This is kind of their standard event, but they've been getting a lot of great racing and a lot of great support for these events. And the championship racing, I mean, they have a full calendar of these great events. And the championship racing is going to have USRA Modifieds, USRA Stock Cars, the Hobby Stocks, the AMS Bombers, and then Dean's Cubby Junior Cyclones are going to be out there. So I always got to support. I love the kind of names that they kind of put out there. But racing's at 730. Go out there and support some good racing down at Alien. Absolutely. Alien Motor Speedway. Uh, he's doing a lot of cool stuff down there, too. Of course, the best flag stand in all of racing uh, down there at Alien Motor Speedway. Uh, and before we wrap it up, let's talk about Uranium Capital Speedway just over the hill there in Grants, New Mexico. Yeah, so Uranium's having this awesome, it's a two-night event pretty much going on. So it's going to be next weekend, so the May 28th and 29th, it's going to have a two-day event with uh, A-Mods, X-Mods, Microsprints, Hobby Stocks, and Stock Cars are all going to be out there. They race from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. But what it is, usually they kind of split up these groups, probably three per day. And what they're doing, it's a two-day event. They're all going to be out there around the same time. You're going to see a lot of different types of racing at Uranium. So go out there, support the local track, and have a fun time watching some great racing. And with that, we got to jump over to break right now. But when we come back, we're going to get together with Dominic Aragon, over there at Texas Motor Speedway to break down the NASCAR All-Star Race. You're listening to the New Mexico Motorsports Report on ESPN Radio. 1017, the team. Hi, this is Al Unser, four-time winner of the Indy 500. You've been listening to David Stolt of the New Mexico Motorsport Report on ESPN Radio. 1017, the team. Hey, Albuquerque, this is Tony Canon. Driver the number 14, ABC Supply for AJ Point Racing. You're listening to the New Mexico Motorsports Report with David Schultz on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. The pit stop is over. Let's return to the New Mexico Motorsports Report on Facebook and at nmmotorsportsreport.com. Now, back to the New Mexico Motorsports Report presented by Gearwood Performance, Albuquerque Dragway, the Unser Racing Museum, and Swope Real Estate. Here's David. 
And welcome back to the show. Of course, before we get going, just want to remind everybody that we are brought to you by Yearwood Performance since 1968. Yearwood Performance has been the home for Go Fast Parts, giving you the edge on the track and on the street. Knowledge of what to use and how to use it, fuel injection, ignition systems, gauges and accessories, including the largest selection of hoses and fittings. Torco Racing Fuel is also ready to go for you in convenient five-gallon cans. they got 14 different blends of that. New Mexico's oldest and largest speed shop, Yearwood Performance, located at 341 Eubank. Buy local, save time and money, yearwoodperformance.com. And with that, we're going to hop on over to Texas Motor Speedway with our own Dominic Aragon with theracingexperts.com. Dominic, how are you doing this morning, buddy? Hey, good morning, Spencer. It's a little cloudy here in Texas. We're just west of the track in Wichita Falls, but hopefully the forecast holds up for some great racing today. How's it out in New Mexico? It's a beautiful morning, buddy. A little smoky still with all the fires going on, unfortunately. Uh, definitely devastating what we're losing up in northern New Mexico. But uh, enough of that. We have a lot going on that we got to cover over at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend, including wrapping up a great truck race from last night. we got some Xfinity racing today and, of course, the Open and All-Star race on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Let's start with the truck series, buddy. Yeah, oh, man, the Truck Series race, we weren't there to cover that in person, but we were following along just like everybody else. And I think we can all appreciate good underdog stories or great come-from-behind stories. And seeing Stuart Friesen win the truck race and capture his first win since the Phoenix Fall Race 2019, I believe it was 50-some races, Spencer, since the last time that Stewart had entered victory lane. And Tom Bodine entered in that second truck, finished 13th. Certainly some problems there with Dane Smith. But Christian Eckes had led the most laps and finished second. And I think also another noteworthy highlight there, too, Matt Benedetto and the number 25 Rackley War team. They keep, I think, outperforming and, and outdoing predictions from what people would have said about that team. Fourth top ten in eight races in the truck series. Unbelievable. But really great racing. I don't think the racing from Texas was disappointed last night. What was your take on it? You know, it was really nice to see some fresh faces up towards the front of the field. Of course, Stuart Friesen, first victory since November of 2019. Uh, the Canadian driver has been... I, it's been kind of a turnaround couple seasons for him. I, I think he struggled quite a bit after that win in Phoenix in 2019. But uh, it, it was good to see him have some speed, and, and it was natural speed too. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't anything done on pit road that was super special. He was just straight up racing. Uh, was able to, in my opinion, outsmart Christian Eckes and their team because even though Christian Eckes had said after the post race that he didn't have lane position. He had the opportunity to. He was the leader. Uh, but he chose to go to that outside there. And it, it was interesting to me to see how that all wrapped up. And, of course, as we see so many times, Dominic, uh, a green-white checkered overtime finish at Texas Motor <laughs> Speedway to figure out the winner of this truck race. Great racing action uh, from Texas Motor Speedway last night. Of course, a lot of people are talking about the treacherous turns one and two. Uh, what was your take about all of the mischief that happened yesterday in practice and qualifying. Yeah, I think it's just a preview of what we're going to be seeing this race weekend. I, I can tell you from seeing the race there up in turn two from the Texas Motor Speedway condos, there's just something about that turns one and two as you transition into the backstretch that is a challenge for a lot of drivers, and you tend to see a lot of your crashes and spin-outs in that part of the track. And, and I think what we saw in practice qualifying, now, the truck race last night, I think we're, we're in for more of that. And, and you look at past races at Texas Motor Speedway, Calamity Corner, as it's been unofficially called, you see a lot of treacherous parts of the track and a lot of turning points in the races because you see a lot of crashes. You see a lot of spin-outs in that part of the track, and I, I think we're going to continue to see that. 
with the Xfinity Series race today, and then the All-Star, or the Open, and the All-Star later on this weekend. Yeah, and before we get into the confusion for many that is the All-Star race, I do want to touch on that Xfinity race coming up later on this afternoon. Noah Gregson, Tyler Reddick starting on your front pole, uh, Austin Hill, Brandon Jones, Ryan Truex rounding out the top five, but a lot of good surprises we saw yesterday, uh, including... I want to talk to you. You're a big guy with the underdog stories. I know that you have your podcast with David Starr every week. Uh, but how about J.J. Yaley and that number 66, <laughs> Work Pro Tools Ford? What a cool story to see him making an honest run in the top 15, uh, up there in the top five in practice all day, too. Very cool to see a driver like that running so well this weekend. Well, you were talking about straight-up speed with Stuart Friesen, and that same thing applies here with J.J. Yaley. And I was talking with Carl Long a few weeks back, and he had told me, and he's the owner of Indian Motorsports, right? The 66 car that builds in the Xfinity Series for J.J. Ailey. And back at Auto Club, the Fontana race, in early or late February, early March, we we're having the supply issues with the next-gen vehicle. Team Penske had ended up using one of Carl Long's cup cars. I believe the one cup car they had is a backup for parts in the event something happened at the California race. Well, come to find out earlier this week, some sort of deal was worked out for NBA Motorsports to purchase one of the old Team Penske Xfinity Series rides. Now, we know Team Penske is not competing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series this year. However, they still had a supply of vehicles, and they sold Carl Long and their team, I believe it was an intermediate car, and that was backed up with the speed. I mean, we have no money. Spencer is the ultimate determining factor in the sport, and when you have good equipment and you have good dollars behind you, it'll show on the racetrack. And J.J. Ailey was fast in practice, backed it up with a 14th-place qualifying effort, it's going to be a fast car. And it reminds me of when the 28 team in the Xfinity Series, this is in 2014, they purchased some of the old Dodge Challengers from Team Penske. And that team ran up front early on in the season. Perhaps we see the same thing today. And, and we saw that with J.J. Ailey and Mike Wallace in 2014. So I'm not surprised to see Ailey go up and have the straight-up speed, the natural speed, as you said, and qualified up front. It's just a matter now since the team can execute on pit road and put together a good race today. Looking forward to that one later on. And now we move to the real reason I brought you on the show. We need an expert to break down this all-star race format. I know a lot of the drivers don't even completely understand what's going on. Uh, but that's why we have pros like you, Dominic. Let's break it down, man. First things first, we got practice and qualifying coming up. Uh, practice one, going to be 15 to 20 minutes. Practice two as well. And then we go to round one and two for qualifying. Uh, let's break that down and then explain exactly what is the All-Star Open that gets you into the All-Star race on Sunday. Absolutely. Let's start with qualifying. So we know that qualifying is going to be an opening round. It's traditional single-car, one-lap format like we have seen in the past. It's going to be in reverse order of the current 2022 NASCAR points. So your guys lower in points are going to get the first start and the first crack at track time, and as more drift in theory gets laid down, you're going to have your guys higher number points put down their qualifying laps after that. Fastest eight qualifiers transfer to a three-round head-to-head elimination bracket. Now, in that elimination bracket, is going to feature two cars staged in adjacent pit stalls near the end of pit road. And at the sound of an alert, each pit crew is going to perform a four-tire pit stop, and at the drop of the jack, drivers will exit their pit stalls with no speed limit and get back onto the racing surface. First car back to the start-finish line advances to the next round, and the final pairing competes for the pole. So, that's how that's going to break down for qualifying. And just to back up a minute and kind of just talk about the Open and the All-Star, the Open race is like your last chance qualifier. This is your chance to try and race into the All-Star race. The All-Star race, 
current drivers who are eligible, you have 20 guys that are locked in right now. That's past champions and past all-star winners. And any winner from 2021 and 2022 in a points-awarding cup race are eligible for being part of the field in the all-star race. So you have 16 drivers competing in the open. We know three drivers are going to advance by straight-up winning the different stages. We use a 50-lap race the different stages. Whoever is the leader at those certain points in the race advance onto the all-star race, and then there's also a fan vote. Drivers can be voted into the all-star race. There's one driver that will get that award and make their advancement to the all-star race because of the fan vote that was held on NASCAR.com. And Spencer, looking at who was ahead in the voting over the last few weeks, NASCAR had released a list a few days ago, and they had said who some of the top five guys were, and that included Tyler Reddick and in the number eight car. So we'll see if that number eight team can end up trying to qualify and or if they're going to end up getting the fan vote into the all-star race. And that's one of the things that I love about this weekend. I mean, it, it's no points. It's all for that million dollars. Everything's on the line for these drivers, and they're going to give it their all. I love the open format, too. Uh, it gives those guys a little bit of limelight that we never, normally don't really see up front. Of course, Tyler Reddick, he's been doing good all season, so close to that first victory. Uh, I would expect him to be able to race his way in and not have to rely on that fan vote. Uh, but a lot of drivers, uh, they are kind of trying to campaign themselves this weekend to try to get that fan vote to make their way into it. Another thing that you touched on that I really like, Dominic, was the new format that we have for qualifying this year. It's kind of a tip of the cap to what we used to see uh, back a few years ago with the pit stop challenge. Yes, absolutely. No speed limits on pit road and doing the two laps around Charlotte Motor Speedway and Texas Motor Speedway kind of being set up as a similar mile and a half track. Yes, it does kind of feel like a throwback of some sort to be able to see that. And We know it's the 38th NASCAR All-Star Race, but this is only the fourth time in NASCAR history that it's not going to be held at Charlotte Motor Speedway. This is the second time it's going to be held at Texas Motor Speedway. 2020 was held at Bristol, and I believe in 87 it was held at Atlanta. But every time else it's been held at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. So really cool to see that Texas has it again this year, and I don't think it's going to disappoint tomorrow. We're, we're going to see this race Spencer, and I think we're going to see how momentum can be built off this. I mean, look at Kyle Larson last year. He had one win entering the All-Star Race weekend. He ended up picking up the victory in the All-Star Race, went on to win nine more races, and, oh, yeah, the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series Championship. Yeah, very exciting. A lot of drivers uh, to keep our eye on later on this weekend. Of course, Stage 1, 25 laps. Stage 2, 25 laps. Stage 3, 20 laps. And then the final stage, 50 laps to see who gets that $1 million. Keep in mind, though, in that final stage, if no natural caution occurs between laps 15 to 25 of the final stage, NASCAR is going to call an all-star competition caution. So we will see at least one great restart at Texas Motor Speedway to figure out who gets that $1 million. And one of the great things that they're also bringing back on Sunday is the special stage break with a true pit stop competition. Uh, and each team must pit and perform a four-tire stop the team with the shortest time on pit road wins that crew award, and the driver will start fourth in the final stage as long as they finish 15th or better in stage three. Man, you even saying that, too, that throws it back to 2008 and 2000. In the mid-2000s, we'd have that all-star pit crew competition in Charlotte, and the teams got to, to really have bragging rights of who the best pit crew was, and we get to see that get to play out in the all-star race tomorrow night, and we know that's going to be some bragging points for all the pit crew guys that work on all these teams. 
Yeah, looking forward to it, Dominic. Before I let you go, though, uh, what do you got coming up on the podcast here in the next couple of weeks? I know you've been really busy getting some neat guests on. I appreciate that, Spencer. Yeah, so Let's Go Racing, we're going to have a couple of high-powered guests in the next couple of weeks that we can announce. We have NASCAR 1986 Daytona 500 champion Jeff Bodine joining the show this upcoming week for Episode 68. And we, we got to admit, this one was a little hard to pull off, but we're excited for our episode 69. And, and we say this because that's his favorite number, and if you follow him on Twitter, you know he loves to plug that and would love to drive the number 69 car in the Cup Series. We have 21-time NASCAR Cup Series race winner Greg Biffle joining the show for episode 69. Some two high-powered guests that we're going to have over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. Really appreciate your time this morning, Dominic. Have fun this weekend. And uh, we'll get together pretty soon and talk all about it. We sure will, Spencer. Look forward to chatting with you when we get back to New Mexico. Look forward to seeing you soon. And certainly wish you and David were here. Thank you, man. Again, that was Dominic Aragon with TheRacingExperts.com. You can follow him all weekend at Dominic Aragon on Twitter and follow all the stories at TheRacingExperts.com. On the other side, we have Bob Brown coming up. Don't change that dial. You're listening to the New Mexico Motorsports Report right here on ESPN Radio. 1017, the team. Hey, this is Bush Patrick. That's right, Eddie Munster, and you're listening to David Swope on ESPN 101.7 on the New Mexico Motorsports Report. Hey, race fans, this is NASCAR team owner, Coach Joe Gibbs. You're listening to David Swope on New Mexico Motorsports Report on ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. The pit stop is over. Let's return to the New Mexico Motorsports Report on Facebook and at nmmotorsportsreport.com. Now, back to the New Mexico Motorsports Report, presented by Yearwood Performance, Albuquerque Dragway, the Unser Racing Museum, and Swole Real Estate. Here is David. And welcome back to the show. Of course, Spencer Hill sitting in for David Swope uh, this morning. We'll get together with him in just a little bit, but first, really excited to welcome Bob Brown onto the show from the Unser Racing Museum. Uh... Bob, we, we have so much to talk about when it comes to the Unser family. Uh, of course, it, it was a very tragic year last year, uh, but we're able to have a celebration of life next weekend, and that's what I want to start with this morning. What is that event coming up next weekend, and how can people get involved and come down to the museum? All right, well, thanks a lot. First, for having me uh, in studio this morning. It's great to be here, and good to see you guys, as, as always. Uh, next Sunday, the running of the Indy 500, and it's also would have been Al Unser's uh, 83rd birthday. So we're going to kind of celebrate the life of Big Al, and at the same time, at the museum, next Sunday, free, open to the public. So you can come out, we'll have some birthday cake out there to celebrate you know, Al's birthday, and then, of course, the Indy 500 it starts about 11 o'clock our time uh, next Sunday. So you come out there, uh, enjoy some cake, watch the Indy 500, and get into the museum for free. And everybody loves free. And that that's exactly how Big Al would want it, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's so cool to see all the things that the Unser family is doing uh, to try to get the public involved and just try to get some knowledge about mm-hmm. local racing and, and all the hidden gems that we've had here in Albuquerque for all this time. Uh, the, the Unser family has done so much through the museum, too, uh, teaching kids all the way up to the adults that have been fans for life. Yeah. And it's cool to see something like that. A free event, once again, to the public next weekend. Go watch the Indy 500. It's it's going to be one heck of a party. Yeah, well, soda's out there again. The cake, and I was talking with Susan Unser, Al's, Al's wife, and she was saying, look, this is what Al would have wanted, something kind of laid back, 
chance for people to come to the museum, get in for free. We'll have some TVs up there so you can watch the Indy 500 if you want to do that as well, see the beautiful cars and all that. But not anything over the top, just a really kind of a laid-back celebration of his life and get into the museum for free. And uh, there's so much to see there. You know, I, I went to high school in northern Virginia, right outside of D.C., and I, I looked at, I, I wasn't one of those that didn't go to the Washington Monument and the Air and Space Museum and all those kind of things. But you know how it is. You live somewhere and it's right in your backyard and you don't go see it. You don't check it out. You've maybe heard about it. And I think that's a lot of, uh, a lot about the Unser Race Museum that people, they may have heard about it, but they've never been down there. And even if you're not a big time race fan, there's so many cool things to see there in the history of the family and how they ended up in Albuquerque and, how they ended up at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and, you know, nine Indy 500 wins, including, of course, four for Big Al. And that's a really interesting story, too. Uh, a lot of people ask, how did the Unsers wind up here in Albuquerque? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll let you tell that story yeah. real quick. Well, their their dad, Jerry, um, he had four boys. He had Louie and uh, Jerry Jr. They were twins. And then five years later, Bobby was born. And then he decided to move the family from Colorado. Colorado Springs basically is where they lived. That's how they started their racing at Pikes Peak, which is the second oldest race in the country. Mm-hmm. Indy's the oldest, 1911. Pikes Peak started in 1916. So after Bobby was born, Jerry decided to move his family down to Albuquerque and open up a garage on newly opened Route 66. So because the family had migrated from Europe, they knew about foreign cars and parts. So they opened up this garage on Central Avenue, Route 66, that specialized in foreign cars. Mm -hmm. So when Bobby Unser built his first Pikes Peak hill climbing car, it had a Jaguar engine in it because that's what he knew and that's what he had been taught. So that in itself is an interesting story, just, you know, the foreign cars and parts garage that they had set up. And you guys do have a little uh, center for that, Jerry's Garage in the Unser yeah. Museum. Actually, uh, to, yeah, to well, one, one of the sections of the museum is Jerry's Garage, mm-hmm. and that section of the museum, uh, we rent that space out. People can uh, rent it out for parties or banquets, meetings, and that sort of thing. We just move the cars to the side. Banquet tables can be set up there. There's a kitchen right there as well. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. And as you mentioned, and I'm not a I'm not a mechanic by any means. I'm one of those guys arrive and drive. That's mm-hmm. me, okay? Um, uh, but they have all these old uh, machinery parts and things that they were used in the garage at the museum. So if you're old mechanic type, you can go in there and see some, some pretty cool equipment. Oh, I, I know. I can yeah. sit in there, yeah. and I can spend... I, not even hours, days, just going through every single section that's laid out in there. Uh, so many fun things to see at the Unser Museum. And I've been going, gosh, since really since I can remember when it opened. Well, 2005 uh, is when yeah, it Yeah, that's yeah. the earliest memory I have. Uh-huh. I remember sure. even back in go-karts, we had our, uh, our end-of-the-year celebration there yeah. back in the day. And so it, it's been a really big part of my life. I'm excited that fans are able to come out and celebrate uh, next weekend. Go If they haven't checked it out, go check it out next weekend. Yeah. Free event. Go celebrate the life of Big Al. Uh, go celebrate his birthday. Indy 500. Huge day coming up. Uh, really, really excited that you guys are putting that deal on. And a lot of fans, they always come up and whenever they go to the Unser Museum, they want to hear a story that they've never heard before. Uh, the Unser's have been covered by so many outlets throughout the years. Yeah. But what's some of... Of the stories that you like to tell well, some there, of the there's fans. Some, there's some cool stories that I like. Uh, 1970, that's the year. That's the year that Al won his first Indy 500. So imagine he's at, he's at Indy in 65 is the first year he goes. Uh, but 1970 was a huge year. Uh, for those that are you know hardcore race fans, 
uh, USAC was the the sponsoring body, the the overseeing body for the for the racing. In 1970, it was the last year that the championship was decided on dirt and pavement. So if you wanted to win the title, you had to have two cars. You had to have your Indy car and you had to have your sprint car. Mm-hmm. So that's the last year again that they did that. After set, after that, it was the sprint car guys went their way, Indy car guys basically went their way. So in 1970, there's 18 races on the schedule. Big Al wins 10 of those races, including five in a row on dirt. And he wins the Indy 500. He sits on the pole, and he, he leads 190 of the 200 laps. He wins the Indy 500. The next year, he comes back in 71, wins it for a second time on his birthday. And the 29th of May is next Sunday, and that'll be a celebration of uh, Big Al's what would have been his 83rd birthday and, of course, the Indy 500 that day. And, Bob, it's just, it's almost so fitting how that came together with the perfect date. Yeah. It's it's odd almost to me. Yeah. But it's so cool because this is exactly what Big Al would want. And I knew so Susan's very excited for this oh, yeah, as well, right? For sure. And, you know, about that 70 season, and you as a sprint car guy, you can appreciate this. You know, one weekend you're sliding 100 miles an hour on a dirt track, sliding sideways, right? Mm-hmm. And the next weekend you're going 175 on a super speedway. That takes skill and talent. You don't just jump in one car and then in the next car the next weekend and be as dominant as Al was in that in that 1970 season. So really, yeah. you look at racers, he's the last true race car driver you could say the most talented that could show he could get it done on the dirt and then he could get it done on the pavement. Yeah, and the only thing that we even have around that is anything like that nowadays would be the USAC Silver Crown Division. Yeah. And with those champ cars, uh, that it's really the only division besides a little bit of ARCA, and you know NASCAR's tried to do it a little bit mm-hmm. in, in the recent years. But yeah. the USAC Silver Crown Division really is all about the history of the sport, and they are a true division that you can still take the same car and go run IRP on the oval, on the asphalt oval, and you can go back and run uh, a half-mile dirt oval with that same car. Yeah. So it's one of the few history items in USAC that's still around that does kind of give nods to that 1970 season. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought it up. Another car that I love watching over there and checking out is the Johnny Lightning Sprint car. Can you just speak a little bit about the history of that? Well, that, that is the car that he won those five races in a row in 1970. He wins 10 of the 18 races, five in a row on dirt. That car was so successful, they took that car, okay, Spencer, and a couple of years later turned it into a full-blown sprint car again that wasn't for USAC, sprint car, you know, IndyCar series. This was straight for the sprint cars. Mario Andretti and Big Al were teammates in that car, except it had the Viceroy paint job, mm-hmm. and they added a roll bar, a roll cage to it. So when you look at the Johnny Lightning Special, you'll see that car, and then if you go into the other museum and you'll see, you know, the Unser 2, because there are two buildings over there, you'll mm-hmm. see that car that they just took the Johnny Lightning Special and turned it into that car, and uh, Mario and Big Al, as teammates, dominated the Sprint Car Series in that car. So fascinating. Yeah. And, and, Bob, if you have time, I'd love to bring you on on the last segment as well because yeah. we have we have so much to talk about. That'd be fantastic. I'd love that. Okay. So we're going to go to break right now, but when we come back, we'll be back with Bob Brown, talk a little bit more about what's over at the Unser Racing Museum and talk about how you can go uh, check it out and go see this free event coming up next week. Uh, we'll be right back. You've been listening to New Mexico Motorsports Report right here on ESPN Radio. 1017, the team. Hey Albuquerque, this is Daniel Hemmerich. You're listening to New Mexico Motorsports Report with David Sport on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team.
Hey Albuquerque, this is John Hunter Nemechek, driver of the number four Toyota Tundra for Powell Bush Motorsports. You are listening to the New Mexico Motorsports Report with David Swope on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. The pit stop is over. Let's return to the New Mexico Motorsports Report on Facebook and at nmmotorsportsreport.com. Now, back to the New Mexico Motorsports Report, presented by Yearwood Performance, Albuquerque Dragway, the Unser Racing Museum, and Swope Real Estate. Here is David. And welcome back to the New Mexico Motorsports Report here on ESPN Radio 1017. The team want to get back into the action with Bob Brown here in just a moment. But before we do that, do want to touch on uh, something that we talked about uh, in the last couple of weeks, and that is the gentleman's ride coming up. RJ, you got more on that. Yeah, I, I know we didn't get to the cars. I just wanted to mention this one just because it's for a great cause. Our buddy Michael Gonzalez came on the show a few times and kind of talked about it. But pretty much so the gentleman's ride is going to actually, the worldwide event actually, is going to be tomorrow, May 22nd. They're going to do a bunch of different tours around the city of Albuquerque and all around. But they're just, it's a, for a great cause. It's for men's health, so with prostate cancer, with uh, suicide prevention, and just mental health as well. So go out there, uh, kind of support them. You're going to see them driving around. A lot of great motorcycles out there, a lot of great, well-dressed uh, individuals going out there supporting some awesome racing. So just wanted to give them a quick shout-out that tomorrow is kind of the big event. So go out there, try to see them on motorcycles, give them a good wave, and support them for what they're doing. Thank you, RJ. Appreciate that. Now, bouncing back over uh, to our time with Bob Brown this morning with the Unser Racing Museum. Uh, Bob, when we left off, uh, we were just talking about uh, some of the specific stories that you like to tell some of the guests that come into the museum. And and I know that we were just talking about the Johnny Lightning Sprint Car, mm-hmm. the 1970 season, uh, the last season that truly had dirt and asphalt yeah. integrated into it. Uh, and, and just want to give the microphone back to you uh, and talk about the IndyCar that you were speaking with me about, the 1958 IndyCar, yeah. that is, uh, uh, Again, th- thanks for having me on. Next Sunday, free. The Unser Race Museum is going to be open, so we invite you to come out next Sunday, watch the, day- the Daytona, watch the Indy 500 there, and uh, celebrate the life of Big Al, who would have celebrated his 83rd birthday next Sunday. So come on out, uh, 11 to 3, you can get in free to the museum, and there's a lot to see. Um, with birthday was, cake. With birthday cake <laughs> and soda for the kids and all that. So come on out. I'm going to be out there. I'll be there today as well, but I'll be there next Sunday as well, giving tours and then having fun and just talking racing with all the fans like like you love to do. Yeah, we recently got our oldest now uh, IndyCar, 1958 IndyCar. Uh, it's kind of a tubular look to it. You can kind of visualize with the big tires, you know, and uh, kind of skinny tires to it. But 1958, that is now the oldest IndyCar we have at the museum. This car competed in the 58 Indy 500, and then a lot of people don't know that there was an Indy car race at the Daytona International Speedway. The Daytona Speedway opened in 59, and they had contracted with IndyCar uh, two IndyCar races to be there. Well, after the first race in 59, uh, the IndyCar driver said, this is too dangerous, it's just too fast, and we're not going to race a second race here. So there was one IndyCar race in 1959 at the Daytona International Speedway, and the car we have actually competed in that race. Um, Another story I think people miss, unless they go to the museum and they look at that family tree, race fans, we know Bobby, we know Big Al, and we know Al Unser Jr., Little Al, of course. But I think a lot of people don't know that Jerry Jr., that was uh, his one of the twins, um, Big Al and Bobby's older brother, 
uh, Jerry Jr. and Louie were twins. And Jerry Jr. was actually an accomplished race car driver. He was the USAC stock car champion in 57. And he was actually the first Unser to race in the Indy 500. He competed in the 1958 Indy 500. Unfortunately, it only lasted one lap because there was a big 15-car pileup on the first lap. Uh, his car went over the edge of the track. He basically walked away unscathed. He, he busted up his shoulder a little bit, but he was okay. He goes back in 59 to try and qualify for his second Indy 500, and he crashes in practice. And he spends two and a half weeks in the hospital before he dies of his injuries. He was uh, burned very severely in that crash and ended up passing away. And it was after his death in 59 that the Indianapolis Motor Speedway said, if you're going to race here, you have to wear some sort of flame-retardant driving suit. You can't wear jeans and a T-shirt any longer. So, unfortunately, the death of Jerry Jr. at the Speedway changed the rules for racing uh, at Indy. And it's interesting to me, as tragic as it is yeah. to see events like that unfold, mm-hmm. uh, it's important to the security and the safety of the sport moving forward, too. Um, and a lot of that yeah. still remains in this place today. I, I wouldn't even go inside of a race car without any of my Nomex, without my fire suit, yeah. et cetera. Well, you don't you, you, know, you, don't you think twice know about it now. 58, after that big crash, the 15-car pileups, Pat O'Connor was killed on that first lap, and he was a, he was a very uh, popular race car driver. In 58, after that accident, they said you have to have a roll bar mm-hmm. in your car. You which, know, which is which mind-blowing. Thinking, why would you not people. have one before that? Yeah. But you just didn't think that way. And even, I mean, the, the advancement in seat belts, the advancement in seats it themselves oh yeah helmets i mean safety gear that's another thing that you guys are able to kind of walk fans through you, at you, the museum well you can see it and you can see how the cars had changed you're sitting there in that indy car room you see a 68 indy car bobby's that he won at indy you see the johnny lightning specials 1971 car and then right next to it is the 2001 indy car so you can see just in that 30 year period how things have changed i want to mention big al because it is his birthday next uh, next Sunday, and you can get into the Unser Racing Museum for free next Sunday from 11 to 3, so come on out there. But I think, you know, the death of his brother at the Speedway, you got to look at that and say how that impacted Al Unser and his career as a race car driver. Bobby was known for a guy who wanted to win every race on the first lap. Big Al took it a, a little bit more laid-back pace. He always said you got to finish first, or fini- you got to first finish to finish first. So he was a guy that wanted to take care of his equipment, get to the finish, and see you know what his car could do then. So there was two different styles. You could say Al Jr. kind of took some from his Uncle Bobby and his father, yeah. and he's somewhere in between. But I think going to the Speedway in 65, you know, and his brother was killed there in 58, or 59, I should say, uh, his parents told him, look, if you screw up, Al, that's it, okay? We're not kind of going down this road again. So I think there was a mindset with Al that he saw what happened with his brother, uh, his older brother Jerry Jr. being killed, that he kind of took it maybe a little slower when he got to the speedway, and I think that was kind of his mindset, that he was he just had this relationship with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You know, as a driver, certain tracks that you have a feel for, for whatever reason that is, and he had that with uh, with Indy. So next Sunday, we're going to celebrate what would have been his 83rd birthday and, of course, uh, the 106th running of the Indy 500. Yeah, very, very excited for that. And yeah. also, I-, I read that you guys are also going to have some food trucks 
out there as well. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I think they, they wanted to do that, but again, I think it just was one of those where maybe we didn't want to make it too over the top because Al was kind of a laid-back guy, you know. So just come out, enjoy the cars. We'll put some TVs in there to watch the, the race if that's what you want to do, but we'll have some birthday cake out there and, again, some uh, soda, water for for anybody that shows up. And once again, free event to the public. Come down there. Uh, biggest Sunday in motorsports. Oh, yeah. Uh, of course, we got Monaco in the morning. Mm-hmm. You got Indy 500, and then wraps everything up with the Coca-Cola 600. So no matter what, if you like racing, you're going to want to be there on Sunday. Uh, Bob, we just have one minute left. But once again, I, I just want to thank you so much for coming in today. Oh, my pleasure. It brings back a lot of memories coming in the old studio here. But I'll be, there. I'll be at the re- uh, Racing Museum today from 10 to 3. So if you want to come down there, I'll... Uh, I'll give you the, the special tour. There we go. Yeah, you yeah. got to get the special tour oh, yeah. from, from our own Bob Brown here. Uh, appreciate your time, though, once again. RJ, thank you so much. Uh, Dan behind the glass. Uh, if you notice, we were able to get down to David Swope, uh, but we do wish him luck as he races his Miata over at the Racing on the Rio today at Sandia Speedway. And once again, if you could, come on out to Sandia Speedway for the Randy Combs Memorial Race going on later this afternoon and Midnight Madness over at Albuquerque Dragway. For everybody here in the booth, I'm Spencer Hill. Thank you guys for listening. You've been listening to the New Mexico Motorsports Report right here on ESPN Radio. 1017, the team. Thank you for listening to the New Mexico Motorsports Report, presented by Your Wood Performance, Albuquerque Dragway, The Unser Racing Museum, and Swope Real Estate. Here on ESPN Radio 1017, the team. Join us daily at nmmotorsportsreport.com and become part of the community. Tune in next week, where your host, David Swope, will be talking about events happening around the state and on the national scene, whether it's got two wheels or four wheels, pavement and off-road racing, or park and shine. If you are into it, we are into it.